You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm bringing back my good friend and the functional pharmacist you all know and love, Dr. John Kim. Today, Dr. John Kim and I are kicking off our deep dive into the science and application of CBD. Dr. Kim is a bit of a CBD nerd, I've recently learned. And in part one of this several part series, we will share with you the critical info that you need to know when making your decisions about which products to use. Not all CBD is the same. It's not all sourced the same. And with so many choices out there, knowing how to spot quality does matter. This is part one of a multi-part series on CBD. So enjoy today's episode and stay tuned for more. As always, if you have any questions for the show, please email us at podcast at drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A.com. And if you like this show, please do me a huge favor and head over to your favorite podcast app and rate, review, and subscribe. Those little actions make a big impact and it gets the word out to more people. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. All right. Welcome back, Dr. John Kim. I'm so happy to have you here today. We are going to be talking about CBD. You are an expert in CBD, I, I most recently learned. And so I'm very excited to have you. You're an expert at a lot of things. I'm excited to have you here to talk about it today. <laughs> um, I don't know about the expert part. I know a lot about everything. So I'll try to add in and educate your audience and everyone out there because I love talking about cannabis in general because I think there's a key missing things that we're not talking about, especially for our general health, how we are so depriving cannabis in general as a population that's causing a lot of these chronic issues that we're having right now. Yes. Well, you're. let's just put it this way. You're a CBD nerd. <laughs> because when I mentioned that I was launching my CBD line, you were you, you just came with a bunch of questions that I was like, oh my gosh, no one's asked me this before. I'm so glad he's asking me. And then you actually went in and looked through it and verified what I had believed I had found, but I don't, I don't understand it to the detail you do. I thought I did, but boy, um, you've got some great info to share with us today. This is going to be a two-parter for the audience listening because we can't possibly cover it all in one episode. So we're going to do two shorter episodes just to make sure that you guys get all the information. So, all right, jump on in. Where do you want to start? Yeah. I mean, before we start, so obviously a lot of you out there that know that I'm a functional medicine pharmacist, but also secondarily, I'm a chief science officer for InView Botanical CBD Company. They're based out of um, California, but they also grow their hemp in Colorado. And why I'm mentioning about Colorado is because of the overall elevation. And the actually Oregon is another great area to grow hemp as well because of the elevation and then the, the sunlight you're able to get up there. But you, you're able to produce the most great, great set of hemp to produce the best CBD possible. So things I like to mention about is how you source it, where you get it from, and how it's extracted and what the final dosage form really dictates what type of CBD product you're gonna be getting and what you're using and how well it's gonna work out for you. So I wanna mention that right now. And by all means, we're not pushing any brand right now. We're just gonna be just doing general CBD discussion for people because there's, I think there's well over like 2,000 CBD companies out there. And it's so easy to go to a, a general white label company to make CBD. That does not really mean that you're going to get this quality CBD to begin with. So we'll talk all about how to distinguish what's good as a brand, what to look out for to protect yourself as a consumer and everything else. And hopefully able to catch all of that within 30 minutes. If not, we'll talk about it in part two. So you're not missing out on anything. 
Yeah, we'll get it. We might do a three-parter. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So start from the beginning. So beginning discussion, we really have to talk about is how do we get here to a point that now is becoming legal for us to produce and produce hemp is one thing, but then secondarily that we're using it, right? If you think about the overall cannabis in general, it's been widely used in our human history to use cannabis. For instance, um, in, um, in Egypt, they utilize hemp to making papers and, and things like that and other medicinal use, that's ancient Egypt, to a point in terms of when you go into the overall medical almanac in the uh, Korean imperial and even Chinese medicine, they utilize cannabis medicine to actually help deal with some of the ailments such as pain, uh, potential issue dealing with menstrual uh, uh, cycle pain, so it's PMS, or uh, even in terms of having uh, stomach distress. It was basically a wide-known um, topic and documents out there that we've been utilizing cannabis medicine for centuries. The biggest issue was, was that after the prohibition that actually occurred in the United States, we didn't distinguish between a hemp versus actual marijuana. And so that's where the overall um, happening occurred, where you couldn't even utilize anything that's remotely close to anything that's related to cannabis, right? That's one thing. But then also, there was a start of the overall pharmaceutical industry that actually occurred. And that, you could talk about the conspiracy theory behind that and how the overall Rockefellers end up having to get involved and Oh, the, the Rockefellers. Of, oh, the Rockefellers. <laughs> They're talking about the overall um, medicine and petroleum-based uh, pharmaceutical industry, all those things you could talk about. But cannabis was really part of the American medical uh, area before the 1920s, especially uh, there are documents in the US, USP Pharmacopeia, so United States Pharmacopeia, has written documents of cannabis extracts for pharmacists to use to make compounds out of this before the 1920s. So it was an essential part for pharmacists to work with different um, sativas or indicas to make certain topical ointments or certain capsules or certain tinctures for patients' use based on the doctor's order. But the biggest issue is that because there's a lack of understanding and there's those many conspiracy theories that goes behind, to suppressing us from utilizing what's given to us by nature. Yes. Well, there's lots of plants they're doing that with. But yes, this one has been vilified for sure. And I've studied a bit of this history. Uh, You know, hemp also has different uses for making paper. And I mean, it, it... I read this, I read a few books on the history of this. And it was just really interesting how different groups got together to make sure that hemp was taken out of the picture because it was competing with the lumber industry and and on and on it went. So yeah, okay, so yeah. Oil too, I mean, the industrial hemp is like great, widely used for it. And I think right now what's really changing, as, changing is that the in, industrial hemp is really growing. And so you know, we don't have to talk about like investment opportunities, but there are great deal investment opportunities to using hemp. So if you need some question about making money through hemp, there's an opportunity there. (laughs) (laughs) Crypto and hemp. (laughs) Hemp. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So it got, it got uh, made illegal and I believe it ended up uh, as a schedule two, right? Isn't that? Schedule one. Schedule one. So so you can't even study it. You couldn't even do it. 
Um, and then we didn't have much science background in terms of what what the endocannabinoid system was or how these particular uh, endocannabinoids or cannabinoids that's coming from the plant. So in the, I believe the 1960s, that's when THC was identified. And then two years after that, CBD was identified. And they also have a patent by the U.S. government of CBD having a overall antioxidant and neuroprotective effect. Right. It's crazy how the government patents this, but they say, oh, you don't want to use that. <laughs> so so there's a crazy, again, conspiracy theory out there that government is there to suppress us from utilizing what other our mother nature gave us. No, they would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a conspiracy theorist, John. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we could talk about the Rockefellers and everything else. But the crazy thing is that, you know, it's been... So why we're now talking about it and why solely widely used is back in 2014, during the Obama administration, they legalized uh, industrial hemp to be grown, right? As long as you're registered and based on the state guideline and the federal guideline that has set forth, you could grow it. And then 2018, during the Trump administration, that really finalized in terms of legalizing uh, industrial hemp for uses of anything, right? You're talking about possibly making certain bricks, you know, CBD was a very small part of it. But as long as you actually have a dry weight of 0.3% of THC or below that, it was considered to be a legal um, hemp that you could end up having to grow and utilize for any particular use for potentially uh, dietary and, and industrial use and etc. So that's when we end up having to really change that. And as well as that also declassified uh, CBD from being a class one narcotic to being completely legal, right? Federally, so that's, that's federal, right? Isn't that federal? Oh, sorry, I hit my microphone. Yeah. That's across the board. <laughs> I That was very exciting when that happened. People were very excited. I mean, it was a big deal. It was, because even 2014, when it was legalized, the DEA went after hemp growers, especially in Kentucky, and they decided to confiscate all the hemp grown. And the crazy part is Mitch McConnell has a huge stake in the hemp industry down in Kentucky to protect the hemp industry in Kentucky to continue to grow. And they end up having to pass a omnibus bill back in 2016 where it prevented any funds to go into the DEA to go after hemp growers. Huh. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, political aspect in terms of uh, big into stake and as well as money being made. Interesting. So right now it is legal. Unfortunately, the overall question, we could talk about it later on, the banking industry, the finance, uh, financial status of hemp is not being legally recognized as of yet. So you have to, you won't be able to, you know, go to a merchant processor or credit processing companies or even bank to open up a bank account as of yet if you are a, a particular CBD company or cannabis company to do that. So there's all other hurdles you have to go through to do so, but hopefully that's completely legalized very soon and it'll be easy because let's just say if you decide to sell CBD online, opening up a, a merchant services is very, very difficult. Oh, yes. Right? I just went through all of that. It was hurdles, unexpected hurdles. I actually ended up with a great little bank here in town that 
uh, caters to farmers. It was started by farmers and it's for agricultural purposes. And they were very kind to give me a checking account. I couldn't even get a checking account somewhere regular, like a regular bank. And then to find merchant services on top of that was a whole other thing. So yes, I'm with you. It's, it's a very interesting world. Uh, and, and people don't want to touch it or they don't mind. So yeah, you guys, I have a special announcement. I am excited to invite my listeners of the Dr. Tina show to my brand new CBD store. I've got several products inside the store to suit everyone's needs. I looked for years for a supplier that checked off all the boxes on quality, and I am happy to tell you about the products I finally come up with. I've got two gummy products inside the store. Both are hemp extract CBD phytocannabinoid gummies. One that supports a more calm state with added L-theanine and another to shield your immune system with ingredients like zinc and vitamin C along with the CBD. I've also got a high potency, truly full spectrum hemp extract oil synergized with other naturally occurring phytocannabinoids and MCT oil. This results in fantastic absorption in the gut. This oil contains several naturally occurring cannabinoids and terpenes. Terpenes are important plus an added proprietary blend for a robust profile. It contains less than 0.3% THC. It's extracted from high quality CO2 extraction process, and it comes in both a straight oil form or a convenient soft gel, which I like to keep in my purse for on the go. I've also got an amazing topical cream that I utilize for pain. I've tried countless pain creams over the years and test drove them all on my mom. And she says this one is her absolute fave. Every product is rigorously tested and comes with a certificate of analysis that you can find on the product page on the website. So head over to drtinahemp.com and use coupon code DRTINASHOW10 for 10% off your first order. That's drtinahemp, all one word, D-R-T-Y-N-A-H-E-M-P.com and use coupon code DRTINASHOW10 for 10% off your first order. I can't wait to hear what you think of them. Talk about this, the uh, endocannabinoid receptors on the history of that. That showed up in the 90s, right? Didn't they find endocannabinoid receptors in humans in the 90s? Right. In the 90s, that's when it was uh, uh, identified. And you actually had, you know, our, you got to think about, if actually, before we talk about endocannabinoid system, we have to talk about how the endocannabinoid system we all have, right? It's not something that particularly expresses in an animal or something like that. Everybody has it. And the crazy thing is that even before our neurological system is formed, our endocannabinoid system actually gets formed from the get-go. And that also dictates how uh, other things, such as the immune system, how certain uh, bodily function is getting dictated, um, including gastrointestinal system, everything is all dictated based on the endocannabinoid system. So the ECS, or the endocannabinoid system, ECS is there to produce a homeostasis in our body, right? So the homeostasis being a balanced state is very important to deal with certain stressful events that's going on. So there's a great um, rat model study where they looked at giving stressors to rats, and they realized that the cortisol level ended up having to increase at the same time, the uh, your own endocannabinoid gets produced, called anandamides, gets produced to suppress that. So there's an inverse relationship that's going on between the overall stress response versus endocannabinoids. Why? Because the body is trying to keep a homeostasis to keep you alive. 
right? There's a lot more things behind that because there's something called a CB1 receptor that's a lot more prevalent in the brain. And then you have a CB2 receptors, which are expressed widely in our immune system. And we could talk about how that's all interplaying with potentially uh, COVID prevention and, and et cetera. But there's a lot of role that the endocannabinoid system produces to help us uh, keep it at balance, you know, working with our immune system, keeping our overall stress level down, and as well as some of the chronic conditions that we actually have, including cardiovascular issues, uh, potentially uh, uh, um, mental health problem, all those things could be a potentially, quote unquote, treatable things utilizing cannabis medicine that we really have to look at. And there's a new term that's going on right now. It's called the endocannabinoid deficiency, where everyday stressor that goes on, there's so, it's just like our hormones being depleted or certain nutrients getting depleted. Well, endocannabinoid in our body, such as anandamide, can be depleted because of the chronic stress that we actually have that utilizing CBD and other cannabis extracts can be very helpful for your health. So what you're saying for the listener is that we have a natural system in our body that is there. It's there physiologically in all mammals, and it is called the endocannabinoid system. We have receptors for cannabis in our Absolutely. naturally occurring in our bodies, and that system is critical to our homeostasis, which is the balance that occurs between illness and health, right? It's everything has to be in balance. So that's that's the crazy part is there's this plant out there that's growing that's been vilified and made illegal and well, until more recently. And we have a naturally occurring receptor system to receive it, which is cool. But there's there's naturally occurring endo or cannabinoids in our body, the anatomide, but we also have there's different, there's other things, right? There's other things out there in nature that hit these receptors, like fish oil hits these receptors. Um, I believe exercise can upregulate. Exercise is a big one. Yep. And so there's other things that are healthy that we talk about that can actually hit these receptors as well, which is so crazy and interesting. And if you are low on, you can be low on receptors and you can be low on your own cannabinoid, your own endocannabinoids. So that's, that's a whole other that's a whole other crazy thing. Whole lot of discussion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we could be sitting here for hours discussing this, but, you know, at, at least we want to give a little bit of a cannab cannabis 101 for your audience out there. Yeah. So that's basically a gist of what the ECS does and why it's so important as it is a untapped area that we really have to focus on to really help with some of the chronic ailments that people are dealing with. I mean, what I tell patients to do is think about just general hemp or cannabis extract or what I call the full spectrum CBD oil as being like the multivitamin that you need for your overall endocannabinoid system because your everyday stress that's going on out there is depleting your uh, endocannabinoids to begin with that you want to replace it back. So I consider full spectrum CBD oil as like the multivitamin for your endocannabinoid system because of it. Yes, that's what I carry in my line because it is it is so important that it's full spectrum. Can you explain why that's important? What full spectrum means? Yeah, so, so uh, even before we discuss that, so let's take, um, okay, so, so the difference between a marijuana and, you know, let's just say hemp, the difference is that the concentration of THC, that's gonna really differentiate it. 
So legal definition of hemp is uh, if you have less than 0.3% of dry weight of THC is considered to be a legal hemp. Anything above that is considered to be a marijuana. So if you look at a hemp plant versus a marijuana plant, you can't tell the difference whatsoever, right? So that, that's one thing that you really have to look at. So we want to just focus on the hemp extract, and that's what's widely available right now. Let's just say you, want, you go to a health food store, or if you stop by Dr. Tina's uh, website to purchase CBD, or even come to Imbue Botanical's website to talk about this. But one of the things that really differentiation is where and how the overall extraction occurs, and as well as what type of CBD you really look at. So this three main things that you can look at. You have the CBD isolates, CBD um, distillate, and as well as the full spectrum that we just mentioned before. So CBD isolate and a CBD distillate, think about this as like the overall pharmaceutical world where you're only looking at one component of a particular extract and that's what you end up having to see and causing or affecting the pharmacological effect in the body, right? So it's just one particular extract you're looking at. But if you look at a full spectrum, full spectrum, consider that as being a whole plant extract. So when you look at a cannabis plant, you have more than 130 endocannabinoids in the plant of hemp itself. That's including 0.3% of THC, CBD, CBG, and CBN, and everything else, right? Including the carboxylated acid of form of different endocannabinoid. So why that's so important is that that overall aspect dealing with 130 cannabinoids would end up having to produce something called the entourage effect in our body. Right? That's a very, very big thing that we have to look at because there's an Israeli cannabis scientist, his name is uh, Malakam, and he looked at, I think it was back in 2008, I think, that's when he found out about the entourage effect where whole plant extracts produced a better outcome clinically compared to a particular CBD isolate or single isolate coming from a cannabis plant. And that goes to into uh, turmeric, for instance, right? What we used to understand three, four years ago is that if you take uh, curcumin or turmeric extract, is that single uh, curcuminoid was the single thing that's going to produce the best anti-inflammatory. Now that's completely scrapped. We found out now that whole turmeric extract works a whole lot better on our inflammatory conditions in our body, you know, compared to one single isolate. So again, nature is producing the best outcome for our health. And we have to really look at and go back into the basics of dealing with uh, whole plant extracts and looking at full spectrum CBD oil because of it. Yes. Yes. That entourage effect can you explain that a little bit? Because people ask me what that is, and I, I have my own explanation, but I would love to hear yours. Yeah, so entourage effect is able to produce the therapeutic potential uh, created by the overall interaction among cannabinoids, terpenes, so the essential oil coming from the plant itself, as well as a fatty acid within the plant to produce a better outcome, clinical outcome, versus a single isolate coming from a single CBD. Okay. So that basically you have to think about it. So, you know, it's, it's better to be in a group, right? Yes. Than being alone. That's how I explain it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how I explain it. I'm like, we got the whole band is here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
versus just the bass drum, right? Yeah, exactly. And that also really um, makes a humongous difference in terms of how overall uh, drug interaction profile can occur in a CBD extract. Um, A lot of uh, audience out there probably end up having to take multiple medications for their ailments they have right now. But let's just say if you take a CBD, CBD actually can um, inhibit drug metabolism, uh, especially cytochrome P450, uh, something called the 3A4 substrate. And 75% of the pharmaceuticals out there in our current market is metabolized by the cytochrome P450 3A4 system, which can inhibit, meaning that it's going to stop the drug metabolism, resulting in a higher level of drug uh, metabolite and concentration of body, which could result in a severe side effects. And CBD can cause that issue, and especially CBD isolates. And as well as if you take CBD alone in a high, very high doses, that's above 1500 milligram a day, you could actually cause liver failure as well. So um, the makers of Epi- Epidiolex, uh, GW Pharma, they really looked into the liver failure component of the CBD and drug interactions and that could potentially occur. However, clinically, and this is where the overall study needs to be more seen, clinically, when you're using a full-spectrum CBD oil, and we're talking about good CBD extract, the overall drug interaction profile is much less or non-existent when you see it. Because so it's full-spectrum. Full-spectrum CBD. Overall therapeutic, uh, because it's the drug interaction really does what deals with the overall how much of a milligram you're taking, at what duration and et cetera, because let's just say you're taking CBD, it takes about 18 to 36 hours to metabolize. And depending on the level that you actually have, the higher risk of actually having drug interaction. But if you think about the overall entourage effect that we just talked about, to exert, let's just say 100 milligrams of CBD, you probably need about a quarter of it or even less to exert the same effect because you're dealing with the whole plant extract and including the fact that the overall drug interaction will be much, much less. So, so the, this is a good. So dosing a full spectrum is different than dosing an isolate. You don't need, is that what you're saying? You don't need as much, you don't need as you high of a dose. You don't need as much. Okay. Not at all. Yeah, that's the biggest difference. So including, let's just say, uh, you know, a, a person goes to a health food store, let's just say decide to buy a CBD isolate, they'll pick up the bottle and it's like, oh, wait, as a 1,500 milligrams of CBD in here, but then I'm buying a full-spectrum CBD oil. It only contains 250 milligrams. Like, why is the difference? And that's something that we really have to explain to people that it's not just about the CBD. As a matter of fact, I don't like to call it a CBD. I like to call it the full-spectrum hemp extract, right? Coming from the hemp flower, not the stalk or the leaf or things like that. You could talk about that uh, right after this, that... You look at the whole plant extract, not just dealing with the 130 cannabinoids. You also have to look at the terpenes, which are the essential oils, so such as limelin and, and et cetera, including the fatty acid that's going to produce the most therapeutic outcome possible for you rather than just solely relying on CBD isolate. And that's the biggest difference that you see. And even looking at the pharmacokinetic profile is very, very different as well, right? If you look at a CBD isolate, it produces almost like a bell curve shape. So depending on where you are, I wish I had a chart in front of me to explain about this, but depending on where you are within the bell curve shape, shape, 
you either get a very narrow therapeutic window in terms of how the CBD is going to work well versus you may have a toxic effect or no effect whatsoever. However, if you take a full spectrum CBD oil, there is no upper or lower level. You could increase that dose as much as high as you can to produce the actual therapeutic effect. So in certain patients, I may end up having to give them very high doses of full spectrum CBD oil to decrease that overall ailment or inflammation that patient might be having until they hit a certain plateau of a therapeutic response. And I could lower that dose to create a uh, homeostasis, if you call it, and maintain that patient perfectly. So that's the biggest difference that uh, we're seeing. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding that goes on because especially the um, Epidiolex with GW Pharma getting that out for uh, the rare two forms of seizure that's being uh, indicated for. I mean, they're using in, in hundreds to thousand milligrams of CBD. So when you talk about these things with, let's just say, a neurologist, they can't wrap that in their head. Right. And that's the biggest issue that we see. Well, I think understanding full spectrum, I have studied botanical medicine intimately through my naturopathic training. And so I understand full spectrum versus isolates, but the, you know, the drugs are isolates, basically drugs are, that's how drugs come about is an, usually an isolate of a plant somewhere, some, at some point in history of that drug, there was an isolate that was extracted and they double down on that. Right. And that just creates a drug in my opinion. So I think about CBD isolates as just basically being a drug. I don't think of them as being the plant and plants work, the different components inside the plant work synergistically. So you take one out and the one that you leave might not work as well because you've just lost it's the rest of the band. It's like just it's, or it's like a jazz band without a drummer, right? Like you need that, you need that baseline or whatever it is to keep that song going. And so it's, it's really important. And it's, I do like the fact that you mentioned that you don't need as high a dose because that does come up and people say, well, it's not as high as I saw in this, you know, Instagram account or as high as I saw at the store. And it's like, yeah, we're talking apples to oranges here. Yeah. There's a big difference there, including let's just say you buy a full spectrum CBD oil versus a broad spectrum CBD oil. The definition is also different as well. So full spectrum contains 0.3% of THC or less, but if you buy a good broad spectrum CBD oil, there is no THC. They basically burn it off. So let's just say, you know, if you're actively getting drug tested, broad spectrum might be a better choice of utilizing that. But one of, one of the key and difficulty is that producing broad spectrum that requires an extra step during the extraction process to burn off the THC some CBD companies may not do that well, is one. Or two is that they may not do the overall analysis of their extracts. So some patients, because THC can actually build up in the body, you may end up having to fail your drug test. So this is the reason why you have to find a reputable CBD company that does all the required certificate analysis. So analyzing what type of CBD you're getting, the overall cannabinoids, including terpenes and I don't know, uh, heavy metal um, residues or et cetera, you have to look at those things to find out if you actually have a reputable brand that's going to really work out for you and as well as being safe for you to take. And that, that's a lot of misunderstanding that goes on because everybody thinks that, hey, the CBD bottle looks fancy or 
you know, someone told me to buy this or et cetera. And then they buy the wrong thing and they're like, wait a minute, it's not working that well. Or two is like, I'm having drug interaction. Or three, I just saw my drug test and I got fired. <laughs> yes. So, And this explains the difference in price points as well. When you're talking full spectrum, high quality, uh, you know, high quality extraction methods, certificate of analysis, price goes up. But but dosage can go down. You don't have to take as much of it is what I found. You, so. you, you don't. You really don't. And, and that overall deals with the difference between a, a cheap CBD isolate as well, because now you could go to a 7-Eleven and buy CBD. And that could be a big problem uh, if the person is not getting the right thing, or you may not even have any CBDs. Like there was a, a consumer study report and they looked at about, I think well, well over 60% of the popular CBD brands out there didn't even have any CBD. Oh right? no. That, that's a problem. Wow, so, I had no idea. Yeah you, you, yeah, you have to look at the overall, you know, you got to ask the right questions. You got to get the certificate analysis. And then, um, you know, you, you got to find a reputable brand. Um, you know, one that Dr. Tina is uh, really uh, having to, uh, you know, have in a line right now that that's a good brand um, I, I saw, uh, as well as they had all the, you know, overall certificate analysis and backing that they had. And including the the CBD company that that I deal with, uh, Imbue Botanical CBD, um, you know we do seven different certificate analysis studies looking at terpenes, uh, solvents. You also look at heavy metal because hemp in general is a bioaccumulator, so it extracts a lot of the all the crap in the soil to begin with, and you got to find the right clean product. And so if you don't find it you may end up having to have residue of heavy metal or potentially mycotoxin or salmonella, things like that you shouldn't be ingesting or inhaling or whatever, but people don't know the overall uh, information on it so they could make a big mistake. So right now we're here to inform you not to buy crappy CBD products. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's end on that and let's save the rest of this discussion for our part two and potentially part three because there's a lot more to talk about. And I'm so grateful to have you here as a resource for the audience to hear this information. So thank you so much for being with us again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.